She wears a nappy cause it makes her happy She's too cool for smooth Kings and cores are too free spirited To be restrained by herbs and oils These queens who doing it There's a natural crown of truth Braids worn in all sorts of twists Shades of labor of love What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Sisters right here on Be More Radio. And we have a special new segment for you called Sister News with our girl, Kyra Ross. Welcome, Kyra. How you doing? I'm great, Jessica. How are you? I am doing well. So you have the Sister News for us. I always like to hear what the tea is out there on the street. So what Sister News do you got for us, sis? Yes. And you know I have the tea. So first, happy Women's History Month. For the first episode of Sisters News, there are a few ladies that I would like to acknowledge in today's segment. First, a congratulations is in order to Quinta Brunson on her new Golden Globe win for Best Comedic Actress on her show, Abbott Elementary. Now, other notable stars also won awards like Angela Bassett, Zendaya, and Tyler James Williams. But Quinta is the first broadcast network star to win since 2016. She's broken the glass ceiling as she makes her way into the news headline. From creating videos as a Vine content creator to producing her own shows and winning awards, Quinta's talent and hard work can be seen as an inspiration for us all. Next, we have more congratulations for producer and actress Carrie Washington. On the cusp of her 45th birthday, she released her first ever memoir, Thicker Than Water. Started from childhood, she details trauma she encountered and how she overcame them to find her sense of self and purpose. She talks about the people in her life who offer her guidance as she dives into her professional career. By sharing her personal stories and experiences, she gives readers a unique view of what it's like to live life as a wife, mother, and so much more. And lastly, if you aren't in too much of a rush heading to Hulu to watch Abbott Elementary or heading to your local bookstore to buy Thicker Than Water, don't forget to tune into the new docu-series, Queens of R&B. The six-part limited series features interviews with some of the biggest names in the music industry, including Tiny Harris, Tamika Scott, and Candy Barris. To show just how exciting the show will be, let's take a look at the trailer. Thank you for bringing everybody together to make this show possible. Amen. In the 90s, girl groups were popping. We had, like, real world talent. Escape put out three banging albums that all went platinum plus, baby. One, two, three. The songs will hit after hit after hit. SWV has released five albums, two platinum. 30 seconds till showtime two iconic groups coming together. Oh my goodness. That's all we have today for Sisters News. I'm Kyra Ross and thank you so much for tuning in. What's up y'all? It's your girl Jay Rose and we have returned back bigger, blacker, and better than ever here at Sisters where as you know sisters are doing it for themselves. So today we want to highlight Black women authors who are shaping the next generation of readers. Our first, our, our guest today is the author of the Afrofuturistic sci-fi novel, Where It Rains in Color. So let's give a warm sisters welcome to our sister, Denise Crittington. Denise, welcome to Sisters, and thank you for being here with us today. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm caught up in your enthusiasm. Thank you, Rose. <laughs> 
Yes, I, I'm trying to give off the same energy I'm feeling right now. <laughs> and so we are more than happy to have you with us today as our first sister author, which is a joy for me because I grew up writing short stories and make-believe scripts growing up. And I love talking to folks that have a passion for writing too. And so Denise, before we get straight into the book, I want everyone listening and watching to get to know a little bit more about your background. So we, so can you share just a little bit about your background and how you discover your passion for writing in the first place? Okay. Now that question is a loaded question because uh, when you ask me how I discovered my uh, passion for writing, that's like asking me how I learned to walk because writing for me goes back that far. I mean, I can literally say that I started writing at a really young age and I knew at a young age that I wanted to write. And I've told people before that I'm what Napoleon Hill, author of Think and Go Rich, would call a river person. You know, those people who know their passion very early on in life. So I knew I wanted to write. And as a young age, I declared it and said I would be writing books and even tried to write books when I was like around nine or 10. But when I went off to college, I majored in journalism. Turned out to be the perfect profession for me because I uh, blended two passions, one writing, one, my endless curiosity, asking lots of questions. And then I, had, I was high energy. I was so hyper. So you, as you know, newspaper reporters, which is what I was, we run all over the city interviewing people and get back and write on deadline. And we get addicted to our own adrenaline, that adrenaline rush. So I did that for years. I worked for um, the Michigan Chronicle, then the Detroit News for 15 years. Then uh, the, I was editor of the NAACP's magazine, The Crisis. Then from there to the Kansas City Star newspaper, back to Detroit, uh, where I was uh, hired to launch a magazine for Metro Parent Publishing called African American Family. I did that for nine years. Uh, by the time I left, I was really, really, really eager to unleash my imagination that was still there and still haunting me, still in the back of my mind. Interesting. So you go from being a news reporter, which I think is kind of exciting in itself, right. to becoming a full-fledged author. So yeah. was there any challenge, if any, when it came to your journey and making that transition? And if so, how were you able to overcome those obstacles? I think the greatest challenge is just getting your foot in the door. Because um, I guess all industries are, are, are hard to break into. I mean, it was hard to break into journalism, but getting uh, established as an author you know, if you don't want to go the traditional route, you have to find an agent. And I remember finding an agent and then I lost the agent and then I had to get another agent. And uh, then that the agent has to shop it around. And then also working on the novel, I found that it was a big difference between writing novels and writing for newspapers. And I used to do a lot of in-depth stories and projects, but it's still not the same because when you write for a newspaper or a magazine, you do, I didn't. I didn't rewrite. You write it, it's done. You might go in and polish if you have the time. If you're writing on deadline, you don't even do that. So I wasn't used to that rewriting, then writing again, then rewriting again. And that was pretty good for me to do that anyway. So Okay. Yeah. So for so as far as your book, so where it's called Where It Rains in Color, and I like that title. And it's that is and it's of the sci-fi genre, which was quite the journey for me reading because I was not familiar at all with sci-fi. I'm kind of ashamed to say that I never watched Star Wars or Star Trek or anything sci-fi related. Um, 
the closest thing I probably could say is Harry Potter because that's more fantasy, I guess, than Star mm -hmm. Wars and you know sci-fi. But I wasn't familiar with the genre, and so it took me a while to catch on to the vibe. But it was well worth it. Uh, what drew you to the sci-fi genre, and how did you know that that was the right space for your creativity there? First of all, J. Rose, let me commend you for finishing it, for doing it, because that it is a big leap. But I would like to say it's not just sci-fi. Uh, where it rains in color is kind of a hybrid. It's both uh, science fiction and fantasy. I combine the two. And I was drawn to it because I have this imagination that's just could be considered outlandish, and it's always been there, and I absolutely had to explore it. So even though I was a journalist, I wanted to jump out of reality and into fantasy and into sci-fi. My, my, my brain was always working overtime. So as I um, moved into writing, I knew that I didn't want to be limited. And it really bothered me that so many African-Americans think that the reality that we're doing dealing with now, that this is who we are. There's a spiritual teacher by the name of Esther Hicks who always teaches that where you are is not who you are. And we've been dealing with civil rights struggles and now um, the uh, escalating police brutality. And we've been dealing with so much uh, trauma for so long, I think we identify with it. And that's not the narrative I want to see us take into the future. And I feel like you go into the future where the sky's the limit, you can it's not there. It's like a blank screen. You know what they say, that the uh, the past may be stained, but the future is spotless. So I wanted us to claim that space ahead, that invisible space, that tangible space, and make it our own and define ourselves in another way. We go into the future where we're the leaders of the galaxy, where our dark skin is celebrated. So fantasy was just my friend and using it as a tool to expand the image of African American of Af people of African descent, Africans and African Americans, was just a no-brainer for me. And I and I love that it was easy to kind of take a mental break because, because like you said, there's a lot going on in the world, especially yeah. everything with us as far as Black people, seeing the trauma of what's going on in our communities as far as police brutality, and sometimes it's just good to just have a mental break from yes. that, even yeah. if in a, 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 you know, a fantasy world where mm -hmm. we are in charge, where those sort of things don't exist in that universe. In that universe. And so I love how the sci-fi genre gives authors free reign to be as creative as they want. And so I really like in the book, it, it's no different. It's really, really colorful. And you really have to use your imagination. And so can you tell me what inspired the title of We're Raised in Colors? And, and can you give your audience a, just a brief summary on what the book is about? Okay, well, I had to name it Where It Rains in Color because literally it does rain in color on this planet. I created a planet called Swazembi, and on the surface of the planet, there are these electromagnetic vapors. They can't live on the surface because the the um, the vapors that are, are are that are neon are kind of hypnotic. They can visit, you know, they can, uh, but they live underground. So it's called rains of color. It rains in color because of that. But the plot itself is based on a planet that is a resort planet, and this planet is all black. The inhabitants are descendants of the Dagon tribe in West Africa, Mali. This tribe is a real tribe that actually exists, even though the planet is futuristic. 
Uh, they don't know their past. They're self, they're separated. They've forgotten the earth. This is 5,000 years in the future. And there's a, a woman who's about to take her on a title of rare indigo. She's considered the most beautiful woman in the entire galaxy. And this, this novel actually uplifts and celebrates black women because we're perceived as the most beautiful. And I like that too, that the more, the more darker the person is, the more admired they are, the more magicalness about them kind of, you right. know, goes into it. And I like, and, and so as a reader, I kind of had to pack my patience first off because it was a lengthy book, but all details described were very much well worth the wait. So as you mentioned, we have a main character, uh, Leela. I'm, I know I might be butchering it, but that was in my mind the whole time I kept saying it like that. And so she's sort of this royal figure, if you will, in this fictional universe, and she's set up to become the next big thing, if you will. She's she's her. It's in her destiny to uh, be the the new face of the kingdom, sort of like a princess, if you will. And her journey to fulfilling her destiny, and it's not going to be a walk in the park to be what you are destined to be. And so, what inspiration did you pull from her character, and why does her melanin skin have such an important meaning in her universe? Okay. Well, first of all, um, the book was inspired by a dream. All of my life, it seems like I was having creative dreams and I jot them down and because I had to go to work, you know. And so I held on to this particular dream for years, these notes for this dream. So when it, I finally had time, when my last job came to an end and I was free and I finally had time to explore this universe that I wanted to create this planet, I um, pull out the notes, and over the years, since it took so long for me to finally get to these notes, uh, there there were layers and layers of, um, you know, of inspiration occurring. I happened to attend uh, a melanin conference or lecture. I mean, yes, there is such a thing. I went to a melanin lecture. I was invited, and I was just in awe of the kind of things I was learning about how if melanin were used properly, and we didn't have all the challenges that we have, that we possibly could regenerate limbs. And as you notice, they do that on Swazembe. So I was inspired by that. And then I was um, dismayed at the way black women were still being regarded and, and treated. That was bothering me. And last but not least, I happened to see a, an episode of Star Trek. I love Star Trek. Don't like Star Wars, though, too much fighting. <laughs> an episode, they went to an all-black planet. I was really, really excited. But then I was disappointed because they didn't dive in deep enough. And I decided, okay, I guess it's up to me to do that. So when I started creating this planet based on the excerpts from my dream, the notes from my dream, I had all these other ideas that had been percolating over the years that added layers, kind of like an onion, one layer after another, after another. Yeah. So without giving too much away, because I want folks to take a read, so we won't spill all the tea on the how it ends, but... Leela kind of starts out as this adventurous, naive, and somewhat spoiled princess figure where everyone admires her and expects her to live up to her title, as you mentioned, as the rare indigo. And so can you explain the purpose of her character's position and why it means so much to the story? Uh, it means a lot to the story because here we are in the year 2023 and we have um, women of color 
not just black women, but in India and Africa, and other parts of the world, Brazil, who are actually damaging their skin, uh, using skin lighteners and not appreciating the, um, the gift that melanin is. So for me, I can't write anything, even science fiction, unless um, I have a message. And I have a strong social conscience and I just felt like, well, I'm gonna do this. It, there has to be a, a nugget, a gem, something, a, a gift to give women to kind of like plant a seed. I mean, some people are gonna be like, eh, they'll just say no big deal, but I'm planting the seed you know, with, with the idea that um, dark skin could be magical. Okay. And I like that too. The it was it, it's more magic. The melanin is in the magic is in the melanin. And wow. so in the book, there's a lot of callback references that I noticed too of past events involving black people. Though it is futuristic setting, but there is a lot of callbacks to like for example slavery or Black Lives Matter things that were went going on in the past or even present today. But it's the past in that universe. And so can you explain how and what made you want to make those connections in the books? This is a future setting. Well, the earth has been destroyed. So things are looking pretty um, dismal right now for the planet. I mean, I don't know how much longer this planet has. If you look at um, like the uh, problems that we're having with the environment, you know, when we see the, the weather shifting because we're destroying so much the ozone and we look at the threat of nuclear war that's constant, this uh, planet, Swazembe, is 5,000 years in the future. The earth has been destroyed. So Swazembe in itself is a utopia, but the novel is a utopia dystopia because it starts out with everything being very idyllic, like a, a, a a paradise. And then as we move forward, uh, crisis, conflict happens. So then it becomes a dystopia. So I'm sorry, what was the first part of the question? Uh, it was just basically about why, what was the importance of having that in right. of her position as the rear indigo? What was, what was her position so important to the story? Her position was important because we have a black woman being uplifted, a black woman being an icon. And we see that now with Black Panther, but years ago, you didn't even see a black leading lady. So it was just a chance of saying, we have a range of color. We have uh, light, caramel, brown, dark, and we don't celebrate it in that way because there's so much pain associated with that because during, during the transatlantic slave trade and during uh, the years after that, lighter complected women were um, held in higher regard than darker women. And so if we don't, we don't like to talk about it, but there was a resentment that, that developed as a result. But now I think as we move into the future, let's leave that behind us. Well, among Europeans, they have blonde, redhead, brunette, and they celebrate all of it. I want us to celebrate the skin tone from tawny dramatic, which is lighter, to um, indigo, which is darker, to the rare indigo, which is you're so black, you're shimmering. I want us to have fun with it, finally. I don't want us to hold on to that same, uh, that narrative that's based on a painful past. I agree. So are there are there any underlining messages in that book where you want to get across that maybe some readers may overlook because they're you know caught up in the details. And what advice do you have for other aspiring Black female writers who want to be able to have that same level of expression in the work that they do? 
Well, the main message of the book, Jay Rose, is that we don't see with our eyes. We see through the lens of social conditioning. People think that when they're looking at something and they're calling it beautiful, especially if it's another human being, they think that that's actually like a fact. There's no, that's not a fact. That's just an opinion. And that's based on um, what you've been taught. And it's, it's okay to, um, there are different ways, there are different ways to be beautiful. And I think I just was trying to expand that, that awareness. So basically I flipped the standard of beauty to get us to look at it differently. In fact, there was this one uh, literary website called the Den of Geek. And I was really excited because they said about where it rains in color, said it will have you rethinking the way that you see beauty. So that's one of the main messages. And the other message is just Africa in general. I think as African Americans, we don't fully appreciate always all that Africa has to offer. And I spent a year there on a fellowship. It is magical. It is mystical. The people are so wise. The culture is so rich that is, there's just so much to be proud of there. And I'm, so I'm shining the light a little bit on Africa, especially by bringing up the Dagon tribe, since um, the descendants, the, I mean, the residents of Swazembe are the direct descendants of the Dagon tribe of Mali of West Africa. The Dagon tribe is a very interesting tribe in that they have an understanding of the cosmos that we don't even have in the West. They know more about astronomy than Western astronomers, yet they have no technology. Wow. So there it is, yes. Wow, that's very interesting. Any advice for any aspiring female, uh, black female authors that want to dip their toe into that genre? My, my advice is welcome, we need you. We need your voice, we need your vision, we need whatever, whatever you see as a better future for us. I mean, you can paint a ghastly future if you want, but I just think that the present has enough problems. Let's go into the future. And I, I advise you to, if you want to write science fiction or fantasy, and that's because that's my genre, so I'm talking about that, bring a message. Don't just have things exploding or a lot of violence. If you notice where it rains in color was nonviolent, because I was just focused on the message, but still keeping it compelling and interesting, but have bring something for us to learn, something that means a lot to you. Morrison said, if there's something you want to read and you can't find it doesn't exist yet, it's up to you to write it. So please join us, please join me and, and bring your great ideas, okay? Yes, I was really feeling that, that, it, that you got your point across without it having to be like extra gory because that sometimes that gets hangs me up too when it's too gory. Mm -hmm. So that was a great decision. And so lastly, Denise, I, I have to ask this and I'm sure you've probably been asked this before based on how colorful this book is. So first of all, where can readers find your book? And do you ever think it could be turned into a film? Well, readers can find the book on Amazon, of course, and Barnes and Noble is another store that carries it, and wherever books are sold. So if you wander into your neighborhood bookstore and you don't see it, just ask. All they have to do is order it, or your neighborhood library. The libraries have it in all of the bookstores. And yes, yes, and yes to your movie question. That's you know in my heart. I would love to see that. And I think there's so many aspects of the novel that lend itself to the special effects that we can do in movies now because it's a, a neon color rich planet that would just be so beautiful and so spectacular on the screen. And in addition, uh, giving away one more thing, the residents on Swazembe travel from place to place in a wind force they call a sweep. So they literally travel through currents. That would be very interesting on the screen. The whole thing I think would be fun. 
fun to see. Yeah, and I I agree. I I think I I dare to say Avatar could have a run for his money if this was made into a, a novel because I, I was more I got invested as time went on, and so it was quite the joy to read for a first time sci-fi reader. And so Denise, I wanted to of course thank you for being here with us today, as well as sharing your creativity with the world because our voices as Black women definitely need to be celebrated, especially in this particular genre of um, writing. And with that, we want to, of course, thank everyone that's been viewing or listening to us. And we will be right back after a brief commercial break right here at Sisters on the Radio. What do you wish for? A nice life? Nice things? Or do you wish for something more? A sense of purpose? Do you wish to discover a cure? To write code that cracks an unsolvable question? To further our exploration into space? Or to invent something that changes everything right here on Earth? Well, if that's your wish, make yourself ready. Because when you look back, you'll see that you didn't just make wishes. You realized them. Our next episode of Sisters is going to be about dating. And yes, I am going there. We're going to be talking about single people people in relationships, and everybody in between, y'all. You do not want to miss this next episode of Sisters on Be More Radio. We're going to have a little bit of brothers and a little bit of sisters duke it out and see what is going on in these dating streets. So you don't miss the next episode of Sisters right here on Be More Radio. She wears a nap because it makes her happy. She's too cool for smooth. Kings and cords are too free-spirited to be restrained by herbs and oils. These queens who doing it as a natural crown of truth. Wigs worn in all sorts of twists, shades, a labor of love for the root expressed by the child of Africa soil. It's worth the toil. Willie curls aim for the sheepish, so pick a stance. If you dare to take a glance, her thoughts will ascend. You trust me, let's give her a chance. A pair of shears for a shiver lock, a twist to unwind the company.